0: Good morning. Um, I was travelling to London a few weeks ago. Um, It was a a work trip. I was taking somebody else with me from work and I didn't really know this, this chap very well so I thought I'll just test the waters with him a bit. So he got in the car I said, I'm listening to UCB which is a Christian radio station, but we can change the channel to anything you want, or I've got Yes Minister on audio peak. So I thought, I've set this up well. He can, he's, there's no pressure. He can say what he wants to say. And can you guess what he said? What's Yes Minister? <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever get that moment where you suddenly realize you're older than you thought you were? So I, I explained that Yes Minister was this, uh, this comedy from the 1980s, a political comedy. And he said, well, it's your car. You listen to what you want and it's all fine. So I thought that was very nice. of him. We listened to UCB for about 45 minutes and then we listened to Yes Minister. Uh, and we agreed that Yes Minister was actually quite funny. And, uh, and actually politics hasn't changed very much in the past 35 years. Um, sometimes we can get a better perspective on the new... Uh, by looking at the old and that's what we were finding with yes minister Uh, if you want to just kind of get ahead turn to Isaiah 61 I'll be reading from there in a bit Um, we're doing a series uh, we're finishing a series uh, looking at God's kingdom foreseen in the old testament written hundreds of years before Jesus was born and uh, we've covered creation we've covered covenant we've covered community. and I'm speaking this morning on how the Old Testament looks forward to a coming king not just any king but an anointed king in the old testament you were you were anointed you kind of massaged or something with oil uh, as part of becoming a priest or a king symbolizing that God had chosen you to represent him and was enabling you to do what God wanted to do through you. Uh, And the word Messiah in Hebrew, the word Christ in Greek means anointed one. And this is a picture of uh, David, uh, the shepherd boy, who becomes King David, being anointed with oil by Samuel. Um, In terms of how the Old Testament looks forward to a coming anointed king. There's, there's a lot to choose from. I was chatting to Paul earlier. But we'd probably do a whole series on, that, on these. But I'll try and condense it into a day. Uh, and I'm going to limit myself uh, to these four things. And I'll explain why later. The Messiah, the anointed king, who brings in the age of the Spirit, who suffers who defeats death and who ascends to heaven. So we're going to start off with the Messiah who brings in the age of the Spirit and he's anointed with the Spirit. He's not just anointed with oil. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit. Hopefully we've all got to Isaiah 61. Starting off from verse 1 going to verse 3. The Spirit of the sovereign lord is on me because the lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the lord's favor and the day In Luke chapter 4, Jesus reads us out in a synagogue and says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The big picture of the Bible is that God wants to bring heaven to earth. We see it in Genesis when God is walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. We see it at the other end in Revelation, when God says God's drowning place is now among the people and he will drown with them. We see in the prayer Jesus taught his disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see it in everything Jesus did. From calming the storm, to healing the sick, to loving the lost, to giving up his life so that others could know salvation and friendship with God. And the thing that enabled Jesus to bring heaven to earth, wherever he went and whatever he did and whoever he talked to, was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is the promise in Isaiah 61. There's going to be an anointed one. And he's anointed to do something. Actually, he's anointed to bring something. He's anointed to bring more of heaven to earth. If you're poor, oppressed, downtrodden, without hope, good news. If you're broken hearted, healing. If you're stuck, freedom. If you're imprisoned by darkness, release. If you're grieving, support. If you can only see ashes, beauty. If you're mourning, joy. If you're in despair, praise. This is the heart of God that the Messiah would be good news. For every part of life and everything that is wrong can be replaced with something that is right and something that is good. Listen, if you want good news, the king has come. We can live in that kingdom now. He's anointed with the Spirit. He brings a covenant of the spirit um, when I started work ooh, about 20 something years ago um, the company I worked for had a quality manual quality was really important to them and this was, this was kind of a while ago so it wasn't online it was printed out in a big 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 pile of paper and it laid out in great detail what everybody in the company was supposed to do and if ever anything didn't go right, they'd say, well, we've missed something in the quality manual. We need to write an extra procedure. And that's what they did. And this quality manual got bigger and bigger. One ring binder, two ring binders, four ring binders. And of course, eventually it just got too big for anybody to actually try and read it and understand it and memorize it. It was just rules. Rules that were too much and too many for anybody to get their heads around. And eventually they realized that this wasn't working at all. Um, things were still going wrong. And nobody, they'd say, well, didn't you read a quality manual? And you say, well, what, what, this quality manual. Um, and they, they started going back and taking an, uh, an alternative approach. They said, okay, what really matters? One of the big principles, what's the heart... Of what we're trying to do, let's write those bits down and make it so that people can know those things, and then everything else will mostly take care of itself. And that's a bit like what God's done. Jesus didn't just come anointed in the spirit. He came to bring a covenant. Uh, Of the Spirit. A covenant is a solemn agreement. Uh, Let's turn to Ezekiel 36 and 1 verses 24 to 28. For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will put my spirit in you and move you to keep my ways. This is the promise that God has got for us. Sometimes I think we can have an idea that God is, God is with a clipboard trying to spot when we're getting things wrong kind of following us around with a clipboard. God is not on the outside with a clipboard. God is on the inside changing us as we soften our hearts to him so that he can move us to do what's right. And if the outside isn't right yet, because it takes a while for the change on the inside to happen. That's okay. There's forgiveness. Jesus says, that's fine. I forgive you. You forgive others. That's fine. But the heart of it is to be changing on the inside. If you're tired of following rules and of never measuring up to this picture we have of God with a clipboard, listen, the king has come. We can live in that kingdom now where God is on the inside through his spirit. He brings the outpouring of the spirit. In order for everybody to have the spirit in them, that's a real step change to what normally happens in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is quite unusual, comes on one or two people for one or two specific things. By the time of the New Testament, the promise is the Holy Spirit is it's going to be poured out like water from a huge jug. It's just going to be sloshing about. He's just going to be sloshing about all over the place. Joel chapter 2 says this. Verses 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I'm going to cheat slightly with my next verse because I was told to kind of try and focus on the Old Testament. Um, So the last prophet of the Old Covenant, I'm stretching it here now, was John the Baptist. Um, And it's worth pointing out that every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all records him saying the same thing. After me comes somebody more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is going to be poured out. You're going to be absolutely drenched in it. Just like Jesus brought heaven to earth wherever he went and whatever he did The call on our lives is to bring heaven to earth, to be salt and light, to make a difference. Uh, Nicky and I used to actually be part of the Oxford uh, Church. And in 1999, we went to King's Bible College, which at the time was residential. And you went away for uh, 10 months. We went to Scotland. Um, And as we came to the end of that year, what was really on our hearts was that we would go somewhere and make a difference. That was <laughs> 10 months of theology. <laughs> That's the output, right? We want to make a difference. Um, it was that desire to make a difference that took us to Blackbird Lees. Uh, we didn't go there because it was it was cheap to live or convenient or any of those things, we went there because we wanted to make a difference. wanted to make a difference for Jesus. And we hoped that that would be somewhere we could. Do you want to make a difference for Jesus? We're only here once. We only get one shot at this. Do you want to make a difference for Jesus? Uh, I was... 47 last Sunday. I'm 47, you know. I was 47 last Sunday. Um, I've made some difference for Jesus. I still want to make more of a difference for Jesus. And if we want to make a difference for Jesus, if we want to bring heaven to earth, then we need the filling of the Holy Spirit because we can't make more of a difference out there then God has already made in here. It just doesn't work like that. If you want to be different so that you can make a difference, then listen. The king has come. You can live in that kingdom now. So, the Old Testament looks forward to the Messiah who, who brings in the age of the Spirit. Looks forward to a Messiah suffers um i actually became a christian i was trying to figure this out it was either 89 or 90 do you know 1990 i became a christian in 1990 i was immediately part of the oxford church and they ran a discipleship program at the time in fact they ran two because uh, because they just did at those times and the one for the guys was called Interaction. I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember Interaction. Yes, I see that. I see a few hands. Um, and I remember, I still remember one of the pages in we kind of, we did a weekly thing and there was printouts and stuff. And one of the pages said at the top, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And there was a picture of Alvis Presley and Muhammad Ali because it's 1990, okay? So, uh, who's the greatest? And at the bottom of this page, of all these great people who did all these great things, uh, there was a picture of a waiter. And of course the punchline was, in the kingdom, the greatest is the servant. And one of the themes of Isaiah is the servant of the Lord. Initially, as you're reading Isaiah, that servant is, is the nation of Israel itself. And that, and that servant fails fails. But then, as the chapters go on, a new servant emerges. It's a servant of the Lord who succeeds where Israel failed, and then in himself pays the penalty for Israel's shortcomings. Uh, Isaiah 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were poured at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. So, as this servant, and he's he's kind of clearly been bashed up, and nobody likes him, and nobody nobody esteems him. And then Isaiah says, "Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering." Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. God is holy. I suspect, more holy than we understand. And in both the Old and the New Testament, God, even though he's holy, is patient and forgiving. Probably more forgiving than we understand. And definitely more forgiving than I'd care to admit standing here in front of everybody. But what Isaiah tells us is that God balances the books. The servant of the Lord, the greatest, somehow takes our place. It's like he lifts us up out of the mud so the mud drains off us and onto him. And there's only one reason why God would do that for me and do that for you. He really Really, really loves you and wants to help you. Sometimes we have these crazy ideas about what God is like. He really, really, really loves you and wants to help you. My pain, my suffering, my wrong thoughts and actions replaced by peace and healing and reconciliation. If you sometimes wonder if God loves you and wants to help you, he does. The king has come. And we can live in that kingdom now. The Messiah who defeats death. Psalm 16. This is a psalm or a song of David. Uh, he's the guy who all being anointed with oil at the beginning. Psalm 16, verse 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will not let your faithful one see decay. We know that David, who wrote this psalm, grew old and died and got buried. But this psalm is about someone who doesn't see decay. God is a God of life. He's a God of resurrection. Death can't hold him. Darkness can't stop him. Defeat just isn't in his dictionary. He's the Lord of life, of second chances, of new beginnings. He's, he's the God of Abraham and Sarah giving birth when they're old and barren and far too past it. He's the God of Caleb taking the promised land when he's an old man. He's the God of hope and of joy and of strength and of courage. He's the God who overcomes and His plan for his people is that we would be the head and not the tail. That we would be looking up and uh, not looking down. God is a God of victory. Not that I always win. I don't always win. But even when I have a setback, if I can embrace what God wants to do in me through that, God can weave that in to his winning plans for tomorrow. There's always hope in God. If you've been wondering about whether to keep going or give up on something, listen, the king who wins has come. We can live in that kingdom now. The Messiah who ascends to heaven, we're almost there, I was thinking about this this morning. When we pray and how we pray, I think says a lot about what we actually think God is like and what we actually think God is doing. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like I'm praying and I'm trying to twist God's arm and persuade him to do something he doesn't want to do. But that's just me not really understanding how good God is and how much he loves. And sometimes I'm praying and It's like I'm trying to persuade God to take notice and to do something. But that's that's just my wrong understanding of God anyway. God is on the throne, actively ruling and actively wanting to bring heaven to earth through us and around us. Psalm 110 says this, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. When the Messiah gets to heaven, he's victorious and not defeated, but he doesn't stop there. He carries on ruling. And when we pray, we pray to the God who rules and whose plan for the earth isn't to let it go from bad to worse, but to have the light shine brighter and to bring heaven to earth, wherever his people are. It's, we've got to understand what God's up to and what God's plan is. The king who rules has come. And we can live in that kingdom now. So, the Old Testament looks forward to a coming Anointed King. The Messiah who brings in the age of the Spirit. If you want good news, the King has come. We can live in that kingdom now. If you're tired of following rules and never measuring up, the King has come and we can live in that kingdom now. If you want to make a difference and you want to be different so you can make a difference, the King has come so you can live in that kingdom now. He's the Messiah who suffers. If You sometimes wonder if God loves you and he wants to help you. He does. The king has come. We can live in that kingdom now. He's the Messiah who defeats death. If you've been wondering about whether to keep going or give up, listen, the king who wins has come. And you can live in that kingdom now. And he's the Messiah who ascends to heaven. The king who rules has come, and we can live in that kingdom now. So I said at the beginning, I'd explain why I'd limited myself to these four. And the reason is because when the early church were trying to explain to the Jews who knew the Old Testament why Jesus was the Messiah, these were the four things they used Let's go to Acts chapter 2. And verse 14. So, Acts chapter 2. Uh, Jesus has ascended to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit down on the disciples. They're, they're full of the Holy Spirit. They've gone out. They're, they're speaking in, in tongues. And not just heavenly languages, but earthly languages. that like They can't possibly know. And that... God-fearing Jews from all over the place are hearing and saying, what's going on? And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. That happened during the crucifixion. And the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing of what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus has ushered in the age of the Spirit for his miracles and pouring out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He's suffered and died as part of God's plan. He's defeated death by the resurrection and on the third day he ascended to heaven in front of the disciples. Brothers, what then shall we do? verse 37 when the people heard this they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do? Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I was praying about this and I felt God wanted... I initially was going to do all four of these. I felt God say, just do two. I'm going to start off with repent. Repent means being sorry and changing. If you've never come to Jesus before, you can do it now. In fact... We're going to pray a prayer that we can all join in with. uh, Because it's good for the soul anyway. Uh, It's a very polite prayer. It goes, sorry, thank you, and please. Very polite. Sorry is sorry, God, for the wrong things I've done. Because none of us are as good as God made us to be. Thank you is thank you, Jesus, for dying for me so that I can be forgiven. And please, is please help me to follow you by giving me your Holy Spirit and living in me for always. Okay, so that's what we're going to pray. If we can all just close our eyes, pray in our hearts, and uh, it doesn't need to be out loud because it's just between us and God. So if I say it, follow in your heart. Sorry, God, but I've done wrong things. I know I'm not as good as you made me to be. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. And that my sins are forgiven. And please help me to follow you. Help me to have the Holy Spirit in my heart. To help me do what I can't do by myself. Amen. Amen. And the second one is to receive the Holy Spirit. God's goal is for heaven to come to earth. He's got good news for every area of our lives and heaven comes to earth most beautifully, most deeply, not in a prayer out right there or a prayer out right there, but when the Holy Spirit is living in here. That's heaven come to earth inside us. The, the headline fact that the disciples used to say Jesus was the Messiah was the fact that the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Um, so I think we're going to have another song if the band can come back up Uh, if you've prayed to follow Jesus for the first time today then be really great if you could be brave and just come to the front and tell somebody because uh, being a Christian isn't as easy as it looks and it's helpful to have somebody who's been there before and done some of it before and can pray with you and help you Um, but if you want to receive more Of the poured out Holy Spirit. So heaven can come to earth. Inside you first. Then there's going to be an opportunity. To be prayed for at the front. Steve do you want to take over? Yeah that's great.